It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. The LA Clippers just dropped their third game in a row, turning the ball over like crazy once again to the Oklahoma City Thunder in Oklahoma. Even with Paul George, they came out with a loss. How did it happen? How do they keep turning the ball over so much? And are there any positives to take from the losing streak in the game tonight? Going to be talking about it all on today's Locked On Clippers. You are Locked On Clippers, your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, sir. You are locking in with the clips. Thank you for making Locked On Clippers the first listen of your day, your team every day. I'm your host, Darden Viziri, enduring my 18th year as a Clipper fan, and so far it has not been pretty. But before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on the YouTube channel and answer today's question. Are you concerned about the Clippers' start to the season? Comment on the YouTube channel. And remember to subscribe. It's the fastest way to grow the channel. We're almost at 1,000 subscribers. And of course, if you want to follow me, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DimeDropperPod or subscribe to my YouTube channel, DimeDropper. Already went live immediately after the OKC game to talk about it. But let's talk about it here on Locked On Clippers. And a couple of things to start with. Going to be talking about why the Clippers lost. Again, you can point to the turnovers. And a certain someone, Paul George, returned to the lineup today and it was not, or returned to the lineup last night and it was no different in terms of the result. And there are some positives, though. There are some positives, and I'm going to be harping on those as well to not be all doom and gloom because there are some good things that could translate into positive things in the coming games. So let's get right into it. The Clippers lose to the Thunder again, 118 to 110. We find out before the game that Paul George is going to play. Josh Giddy is out. Kawhi Leonard is out. Marcus Morris Sr. is out. And when I heard the news, I genuinely thought that it was going to be a win. Paul George is back in the lineup. I heard, though, after the game that he flew in from L.A. and he wasn't 100%. And you could clearly tell by watching him play in the game because not only was that not Paul George, the, the Paul George that you're used to seeing, he just didn't look like he was giving it that much of an effort out there. And I think the, the the main theme from the Clippers' first three losses of this season, the three straight losses now, are a couple of things. One, turnovers. Again tonight, 19 turnovers to the Oklahoma City Thunders, 11. The Clippers can't take care of the ball right now. It's really bad, and it has to be a point of emphasis. You have to think that Ty Lue is preaching this, that they're the coaching staff is emphasizing to take care of the ball and just to start games, it's all over the place. You know, you got guys committing illegal screens. Norman Powell early in the game, another jump, 
or another bad pass on a pick and roll with Ivica Zubats. Paul George had three turnovers. Terrence Mann had three turnovers. I think two of those were offensive fouls to start the third quarter from Terrence. But I don't mind those as much because he's really trying hard out there. And then three from Norman Powell as well and three from Nico Batum and four from Luke Kennard. So way too many turnovers in every game. It's just carelessness. And especially to start games because that's what gets teams, young teams, like the Oklahoma City Thunder going. Another theme from the Clippers, just in general, bad start again. Third straight game, the Clippers come out and take the first punch, not throw the first punch. They take it right to the face. And they got, they're stumbling in every single game, and they're kind of getting back to their feet, but they ultimately end up getting knocked out every time. These bad starts need to stop. And in my opinion, the guys that actually are going to be part of the positive positive segment that actually had their best games of the season, at least in Norman Powell's case, without a doubt, Norman Powell and Reggie Jackson had better games. But in the beginning of the game, it was just appalling. The whole team's defensive effort, but mainly Paul George, Reggie Jackson, and Norman Powell. Because Terrence Mann was out there guarding Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and he was doing a good job as far as the best he can. He was getting into him. He was fighting over screens. And Ivica Zubats just continues to be great in general and great for protecting the rim. And Zubats was doing that drop coverage, doing a couple of late switches, like when SGA would get below the foul line, Zub would switch out onto him, and was doing a solid job containing, believe it or not, even though SGA still ended up having a 24-point, 5-rebound, 6-assist night. The Clippers also forced him to commit 3 turnovers, and he he did shoot less than 50% with a 10-for-23 night. So I thought they just made him work harder. And there was a stretch in the second quarter where they were making him look a little frazzled. And, but in the first quarter, Ivica Zubats, I thought, did a pretty, pretty decent job with those late switches. But the Clippers kept turning the ball over, and the, the off-ball lack of concentration was ridiculous as far as the starting unit. Norman Powell got taken out of the game at the 8-minute and 30-second mark of the first quarter. That was not a thing in the last couple of games. It was, you know, it was because he was playing poorly. He was second-guessing himself. He came off a screen and did not shoot a mid-range, and then he went all the way and turned the ball over like I just described. But the, the main thing that he was doing that was very frustrating, and it's immediately why Ty Lue put Luke Kennard in for him, is because he was getting beat back door by just ball-watching, totally ball-watching. And those are the things you have to prevent. And right when Norman Powell came out of the game, Reggie Jackson then is getting blown by. Zubats will step up to try to help, and nobody's helping the helper. Nobody from the corners or wings is rotating to help Zubats. It's crazy. You can't just be getting beat off one guy off the dribble in one pass. This is an elementary school ball. you got to make NBA players make multiple passes. Where's the communication? Where's the being on a string on defense after you've lost two games in a row? It's just extremely disappointing for the Clippers to come out with a lack of urgency in the first quarter and have to play catch-up constantly. And one thing I will say is Luke Kennard did play well when he came in, but the Clippers going down 18 in the first quarter didn't bode well. And yes, they ended up regaining the lead, but you've given a team like Oklahoma City confidence. You've gotten Lou Dort, Trey Mann, these guys going by hitting their outside shots. You know, Trey Mann was 4 for 7 from deep in the game. Lou Dort was 1-for-5 from deep, but he was 9-for-15 in the game with 21 points. And they let him get going in the first quarter. The Thunder led the first quarter 34-24 to over the Clippers. And I will say, despite the fact 
that the Clippers did take a seven-point lead in a halftime, and I'm going to be going more in-depth in the second segment about the positives thing and the story of the game. But the reasons why the Clippers lost, I mean, turnovers, as I said, with 19 of them. And if you're wondering, offensive glass, how the Clippers do there? Well, they actually out-rebounded the Thunder, 44-36, to but the Thunder, again, got three more offensive rebounds, 13-10. to And I think a lot of it was, again, just a lack of concentration, a lack of effort in stretches of the game. I think there were stretches where the Clippers played with effort, actually, and intensity, but it wasn't consistent. And one thing I talked about in the last episode was they need to focus for four quarters to win this game, you know, to break this little skid, and they didn't. They played well in the first, I mean, I'm sorry, in the second quarter, towards the end of the first quarter, and stretches of the fourth quarter. I mean, the Clippers did come out in the third quarter up by seven, but the perimeter defense again to start the third quarter, no good. I mean, Reggie Jackson and Norman Powell started hitting shots and were a big reason why the Clippers had such a great second quarter. But Reggie Jackson was getting beaten off the dribble fairly easily. His Just his effort, his closeouts, the way he was moving on defense was just very lackadaisical. And Norman Powell was just, I mean, I don't mean to sound harsh, but kind of a cone on defense. He had maybe one or two decent defensive possessions that I noticed. Got a couple of rebounds, three to be exact, all of them in the first half. But he got blown by a good amount. He got beat back door a good amount. Even Robert Covington got blown by fairly easily. The perimeter defense outside of Terrence Mann was non-existent. Paul George a couple times, I just rewatched the highlights, got blown by a couple times. Terrence Mann, Ivica Zubats, you know, Nico Batum are the only guys so far that are, cons- and John Wall, honestly, are the only guys consistently putting in a shift defensively. You know, I think Luke Kennard is trying. I think he's trying his best. He's just not the best defender. And he only played 17 minutes as a result, even though he shot four for five and two for three from deep. Had 10 points. Wasn't even a bad game for Kennard, but you saw other guys get a chance. And Robert Covington, despite the fact that he was plus six in the plus minus category, didn't think he was that good. You know, he had three points on one for two shooting. He made a contested three. I wasn't necessarily happy he took it. And that was in the second half when the when the Clippers were down by... No, I'm sorry. It was in the first half when the, to cut the Clipper deficit to 10. But there was one time in the second half where he was just ball-watching on a, on a shot and somebody came right behind him on the Thunder, got an offensive rebound and put it back up and in to put the Clippers down five. And it was just a, a rebound that the Clippers needed and just a play that you can't give up, especially when... The Clippers got out-rebounded by so much in the Tuesday game against this very team. And losing to the same team two times in a row, especially a team you're expected to beat, there's got to be a sense of pride there that you can't let that happen. And another moral of the story, a, a repeating, a recurring theme from both these games, Clippers shot 82 shot attempts. If you recall, on Tuesday, they shot 83. The Thunder shot 110 on Thursday, and despite the fact that the Clippers reduced that number to 95, they're still getting 13 more shot attempts than the Clippers. More shots, more points. They only won by eight. So it's all about taking care of the ball mainly, but the perimeter defense could be better. And when Zubats goes out of the game, the interior defense is poor. Nobody's rotating. People are afraid to go up at the rim. I'm not seeing that many contests at the rim outside of like Nico Batum. And guys aren't taking charges or anything. It's just you pull Zubat or you you play small ball. The Clippers play small ball, and the guys that are playing small ball five are not doing anything to deter rollers. And plus, there are times where it doesn't seem like the team is on the same page communication-wise defensively. In the third quarter, the Clippers were all over the place defensively. It seems like they're 
not talking on certain switches and pick and rolls. They don't know their coverages all the time. There were times where they were blitzing SGA on screens. Then other times where they were switching. And when the Clippers are switching, a lot of times they don't seem to know if they're switching 100% and they're like winging it at times because you see when when you switch on defense it's to take away any advantage in the pick and roll there's a half a second when somebody when the screener comes off setting the screen where when the defense is switching you have just a second of daylight and in those seconds of daylight these thunder players were not slipping the screen but rolling immediately for that short roll and clipper players were not switching quickly enough and getting caught out and then the thunder are playing downhill four on three as if the clippers are blitzing if you're are you blitzing or are you switching if you're switching you can't be giving them easy rolls and and you got to stay attached and the clippers just collapsed on that end and even though they cut the game down to one 103 102 they just could not get stops they just could not get stops and paul george laid an egg for his standards i mean four for 12 he clearly wasn't 100 percent, and it's tough when you're when you have one star with no Kawhi leonard and he shoots like that and only shoots that little and i'm going to be going in more depth about the game in general you know what did the clippers do well in the second quarter and why how spaced out were Paul George's shot attempts? I actually kept a track of it, and you might be surprised at his shooting patterns. Going to be talking about that coming up. On Friday, I'm taking Jason Tatum to score over 20 points. I'm taking Giannis Antetokounmpo to have over 10 rebounds, and I'm also taking Trey Young to have over 10 assists. And where am I doing that? Doing that on Prize Picks. It's a daily fantasy entry app. And how does it work? You just pick two to five players, and if they will score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry, and it's not competing against any person. It's just you versus the projections available. And prize pick offers projections on any sport that you watch. It doesn't have to be NBA. It could be MLB. It could be NFL, NHL, PGA, college basketball, college football, soccer, whatever you like. And entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Safe and fast withdrawals. They're currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. Just download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit matchup to $100 with the promo code Locked On in all caps. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you, you guessed it, $50. Don't forget to enter promo, the promo code Locked On in all caps at sign up for an instant deposit matchup to $100. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right. Back to talk about the real sequences of the game, how it really went, what the Clippers did well in the second quarter to get back in the game and take the lead, and why they ended up falling short, and why Paul George just needs to shoot way more in games like that. But thanks for making Locked On Clippers the first listen of your day. For your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports Today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, it's available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. 
So let's go through it. Again, first quarter, I really went over it in the first segment, but the defensive intensity from the guards especially was just not there. People getting beat back door. Clippers turning the ball over too much. But thankfully, Ivica Zubats is just still playing very well. I mean, he's rebounding against surpassing his career high that he set this season with 17, again, with 18 rebounds and 12 points. And what did I say so much, Clipper Nation, before the season? I said if Ivica Zubats gets 30-plus minutes, he's averaging a double-double with ease. But already in the first quarter, PG wasn't shooting enough. He shot 12 times. 12 times. We had the same conversation about the Phoenix game. Kawhi Leonard's not playing. You need to be hoisting. You need to be shooting 20-plus shots. I know the Clippers are deep, but when Reggie Jackson and Norman Powell are not proving that they are right now worth the price of admission, even though they played well in this game, and that's probably why Paul George backed off a little bit, but you can't give him that. You can't give him that excuse because he's so good, and plus, even though he was sick, he's done this when he's not sick. He, we were just having this conversation against the Suns. So Paul George needs to be aggressive, even if he can't get to the mid post and fight to, for post position as much because he's under the weather, even if he can't get to the basket as much because he's under the weather. He needs to be hoisting shots up there, especially when the Clippers are down. You know, the Clippers, when Paul George is the best player on the court, you see a big difference. I, I said it last episode, the best player on the court can dictate a lot. Shea Gilgis-Alexander was that in two straight games. Paul George needed to be on that level or better in this game not necessarily for the Clippers to win, but it really could have helped. He only shot three shots in each quarter. I mean, that's not acceptable for your best player, and I tracked him. So listen to this. He didn't shoot his first shot till the seven-minute mark of the first quarter. You know, at the end of the day, I, I get that Paul George is supposed to be a creator for this team, but what's Paul George's best attribute? What's the, what's the thing the Clippers need most from him? To put the ball in the basket, point blank, especially with Kawhi out. And he's not shooting a shot till the seven-minute mark? I don't like that. And then he shoots at the 550 mark, and then 333 before he goes out. Just again, two minutes in between shot attempts with the 550 to 333. You're only shooting three times, and you're playing nine minutes in the first quarter. You're averaging a shot every three minutes with all the possessions in today's game. That's not good enough. And a big reason why they're not getting as many shots as you think, turnovers, some of which he's committing. And then he comes back in at the eight-minute mark of the second quarter and, and plays the rest of the half and only shoots three shots. And again, he doesn't shoot his shot to the first shot of the quarter until the 5.43 mark. So he doesn't shoot for the first two and a half minutes damn near. Then shoots at the 4.40 mark and the 4.10 mark and then doesn't shoot for the rest of the half. I mean, come on. Third quarter, same thing. Subs out at the 3.43 mark. Doesn't shoot his first shot of the quarter till 6.43, and the Clippers were getting scored on. The game got close. OKC was on a run. He's not shooting his first shot of the quarter till 6.43. And then he shoots a minute later at 5.36, and then a minute later after that at 4.10. But you're playing nine minutes, basically, or should I say eight minutes, really, if you round. And he's shooting three shots. And then he comes in at the 7.24 mark in the fourth quarter when you're hoping for a Paul George takeover when the game's in the balance. He shoots at 6.22, 5.50, and then after that, you know, he shoots two shots in 30 seconds, yeah. And then after that, he only shoots at the 3.34 mark. That was the last shot he took in the game. It was a three that he missed. And the Clippers, for the second, I'm sorry, the third straight game, waved the white flag. And that's just, like, so disappointing for a team that 
is playing this lighter schedule to start the season. I kept saying 8-2, and 9-1, and one, examining the Clippers' first 10 games. And again, maybe I just got my hopes up too much. And that's the thing with the Clippers. When you get your hopes up, they tend to break your heart. When you don't expect, they tend to do magical things. And maybe I need to set my expectations lower, but why? This is the Clippers' championship roster that they've assembled. And when I say championship, I mean the best fit roster to build a championship. And yes, you don't win championships in October, but I'm not seeing the habits that I would like to see. I'm not seeing the urgency that I would like to see. And Paul George shooting 12 shots ain't it. Ain't it. But I think the positive, though, is that when the Clippers went down 18, you saw Norman Powell make a three in transition, and all of a sudden his confidence came back. And that spark plugged the run. You know, he was able to not only hit a three, but started getting to the basket. I, I like that curl play they ran for him with Zubat setting the screen on the left side of the court and Norman Powell curling to his right to get in the lane. It's a really solid play. It gives Norm a chance to get downhill and gives him an advantage. And then maybe if he can just get that pass down to Zu, you know, without turning the ball over, that could be a lethal play for the Clippers the entire season with shooters around him as well. I thought Paul George did a pretty good job as point forward at times of looking for that play but at times just a little too much and one thing Paul George was doing that I was like why is he doing this he kept rejecting the screen from Zubats and going the opposite direction instead of taking the screen mainly the latter half of the second quarter but I was like come on Paul (laughs) get over that Zubats has setting great screens so far this season but speaking of Zoo, I mean, he's just been fantastic. He was part of that second quarter run. And you know who else was part of that second quarter run? John Wall. You know, the Clippers went on a 9-0 run to start the quarter. Not saying to start it like the 12-minute mark, but early-ish in the quarter. And they cut the game down to around 10. Norman Powell hit his second three, and Reggie started getting going. All it took was a layup coming off the screen, and he started taking advantage of that drop coverage, hitting his floaters. So that was positive. When Norman Powell and Reggie Jackson started hitting shots, I was thinking the Clippers are going to win the game. And John Wall, again, doing what John Wall does best, pushing the pace, getting to the basket, getting and ones, constantly putting pressure on the defense and looking like the only Clipper to get two feet in the paint consistently. And I also think Terrence Mann was doing a really good job on Shea Gilgis-Alexander as primary defender in those minutes. The Clippers small ball did a good job in the second quarter, but I don't think it was because of the small ball being great. I think it was just the Clippers playing better offense and John Wall, Norman Powell, and Reggie Jackson starting to make shots. But I don't like those two three-guard sets personally. I know right now the Clippers don't have much of an option uh, in terms of you know Marcus Morris and Kawhi are both forwards out. But Reggie Jackson... And John Wall in the same lineup is is iffy to me. But Reggie Jackson, John Wall, and Norman Powell in the same lineup is way too small in my opinion. And the Clippers rotating at the rim is non-existent with those three because they're small. But I did think in the second quarter you saw the best of the Clippers. You know, you saw hard hedging on the pick and rolls from Zubats and blitzing SGA. And SGA got two offensive fouls. I thought one was a bad call, but one was a charge taken by Reggie Jackson. And you see the defensive intensity increase when shots start to fall. You know, not necessarily Norman Powell in particular, maybe. But even Norman Powell in that second quarter, Reggie Jackson, when they started hitting shots, their whole energy changed. And obviously when you make shots, you get to set your defense. It's just momentum. I don't think there's a bigger momentum sport than basketball. Oftentimes when you make shots, it translates into defense. And when you miss shots, it gives the opportunity for the other team to not only be in transition, but catch your defense scrambling. And that happened a lot to the Clippers in the third quarter. But you saw more pressure on the passes for the Clippers, better defense getting steals in the passing lanes. You know, Reggie and Terrence Mann both got dunks off interceptions. 
Zoo was finishing well and guarding well. I mean, the Clippers led by seven at halftime. But then the third quarter, they just didn't start very well. You know, two, four offensive fouls to start the third quarter. Two of them were offensive fouls. But offensive fouls by Terrence Mann, I should say. But they had four offensive fouls to start the third quarter, and that set a poor precedent. It was just like the first quarter. And again, as I said, Paul George not shooting nearly enough. And you got to also give the Thunder credit. They played well in these games. They were making shots. Pokashevsky was making threes. Trey Mann. These guys played well. Um... Aaron Wiggins, you know, these guys did play well. And some of them, I'm not going to lie, I hadn't really heard much of them before the season, but they played very solid in these two games and played with a lot of heart and ultimately, I think, just played harder than the Clippers, were more active, were more aggressive on the glass, and were better for consistent, their energy was, their consistent energy was better for four quarters. You know, their energy was more consistent throughout four, four quarters is what I'm looking for. But yeah, to finish off, I'm going to be talking about the positives for the Clippers that they can take into the next game, into the back-to-back on Sunday against the Pelicans and on Monday against the Rockets. Got to give you some positivity before the weekend, Clipper Nation. Going to be doing that coming up. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. So, let's take a final look at some of the positives. Reggie Jackson got back on track. You saw him hitting floaters in the fourth quarter. Just his defense wasn't very good. And I still stand by my take that I think John Wall needs to start. I think now, especially seeing the way the Clippers have started out first and third quarters, or at least the first and third quarter in this game, Reggie Jackson and Norman Powell is a little thin in the backcourt. And that's why I don't think Norman Powell should start. But he won't start when Kawhi comes back. It's just a matter of when. And which game will Kawhi Leonard play this weekend? Will he play in John Wall as well? Will they play against the Pelicans and will, or will they play against the Rockets? Should they play both of them on the same night or sit one of them one night and the other, you know, stagger it? One, Kawhi plays against New Orleans, John plays against Houston. But then again, I think they want the full team. If they can have the full team, I think they want the full team because that's what they're going to look like in the playoffs. So if they're healthy, of course. So they probably play them both on the same night and then sit them on the same night. If I were them, I would play them against Houston just to try to get a guaranteed win there. I just don't feel confident about the Pelicans game considering the recent history against them. But the the pro for the Clippers is that Brandon Ingram is going to be out with a concussion. We hope he gets well soon. The news on Kawhi and Marcus Morris, I'm not sure. But Reggie Jackson and Norman Powell hitting shots in this game could bode well going forward for the Clippers, regardless of if they start or not. Reggie Jackson had 18 points and four assists. And he also didn't turn the ball over, which was great. On 8-for-13 shooting and 2-for-4 from deep. Didn't get to the foul line, but just to see him have an efficient shooting night from both three and the field and not turn the ball over is a big plus. He was minus 17, though, in his minutes, and a lot of that's because defensively he needs to be better. He's not a great defender, but his effort can be better than that. I've seen it. And then Norman Powell, hallelujah, that he actually got to hit some shots in this game, and it totally changed his confidence. He had a nice Euro step going to the basket in the second half. A nice dunk baseline. It was just, he started to look like the Norman Powell from last season. 21 points for him. He was the Clippers' leading scorer. Was 9 for 15, which is 60% from the field. 2 for 7 from deep. 
And But he did turn the ball over three times, and his defense was not good enough either. But offensively, he started to get going. If it's a Zubats, been amazing in every game, honestly, except for the Suns game. I think he's been so great, and I think that he needs some help right now, point blank. He's anchoring the interior defense. When he comes out of the game, the Clippers are just getting scored on in the paint left and right. The defensive communication of the bench needs to be a lot better. They have to be sharper on those switches. If they're going to switch, they need to stay attached. They can't be giving guys free rolls to the basket like that, as if they're blitzing. It's just bad. And the rotations at the rim need to be sharper, and they need to go up and contest. If they're not going to have a rim protector in Zoo out there, and they don't want to play Musa, which who I think should be playing for spurt minutes, if you're not going to put in a backup big, then you forwards that are rotating at the rim need to protect the rim better and go up there and challenge guys at the basket. But the thing about small ball lineup is your defense is supposed your rim protection is supposed to be staying in front of your man. And right now, guys like Rocco, Nico, Paul George, they're getting blown by way too easily. And when the Clippers go to that small ball unit, I think that when they go there with wings and forwards more, it's much more effective than playing with two or three guards like Kennard, Norman Powell, Reggie. Yeah, you can switch some of those guard guard and guard screens. But those guys aren't great defenders. And Amir Coffey only got six minutes in this game. And I think that's very questionable considering the way he played last game. And in those six minutes, he was 0 for 3, but he was plus 9. So clearly he was part of a good lineup. And I think that's because Amir Coffey plays decent defense. There was one time where he had a nice contest, I remember, it, in, today's, in yesterday's game. He had a solid contest. I don't know. It's just food for thought. Maybe you should play more. But John Wall and Zubats have been the standout so far this season for the Clippers. Zubats had 12 points and 18 rebounds on 4 for 9 shooting. Still should have gotten more foul calls. It was 4 for 6 on the line. Should have gotten 10 free throws at least. But you know with Zubats, he just gets brutalized by the refs, uh, by the other team, and the refs don't give him anything. John Wall, 17 points, 4 rebounds, and 6 assists. He only had 1 turnover. He was plus 7. Again, John Wall in the plus category. 6 for 12 from the field. The only thing I'll say about John is, I don't think he should take contested 3s. I really don't. He made 1 of them, but he was 1 for 3. Not a great percentage. I think he should only take open 3s. And even though sometimes I I really love when he pushes the pace 90% of the time, but there are times where we have no numbers. I think he should slow it down. But overall, 17-4-6 in 21 minutes. Reggie played 37 minutes. I just can't wait till we can have John Wall playing more than Reggie because he's clearly better. He's better on both ends. He gets in the paint. And I just really love the way John Wall's been playing. You've got to be encouraged by that. So as for the Clippers, they did not play well in this stretch. They could not get stops at the end of the game and they started turning the ball over too much in the fourth quarter they got outscored 29 to 23 in the fourth and overall in the second half they got outscored 50 to 67 i'm sorry 60 63 no 65 i'm sorry yikes my math not great at this time of night <laughs> but 50 Ugh, to 65. It was not very pretty. But back on Sunday, back on Sunday against the Pelicans, it's a 12 o'clock game, so set your alarms. 12 o'clock, New Orleans, maybe no Kawhi, not playing well. I want to be more positive, Clipper Nation, but I am nervous about that game. It would be just nice to see the Clippers get out to a good start and show some urgency to start the game. You know, the Pelicans are playing good basketball, they started out 2-0, and but Zion has been uh, injured. He got injured against the Jazz and missed the game. 
So we'll see how they look. They're going to be ready, though. They're an energetic team. The Clippers should have a little bit of ill will towards them because they lost in the play-in in the sense that they should be playing hard in this game. But they, they you know, didn't play very hard against the Suns, and they lost them in the conference finals two years ago, last time they made the playoffs. So I'm not expecting much. But remember, again, to comment on the on the YouTube question. Are you concerned right now? Are you panicking yet? I wouldn't hit the panic button just yet. It's still really early. Still very early. Still need Kawhi back. Still need John back. It's just a matter of when is that going to happen? When are the restrictions going to be lifted? And when are the Clippers going to be able to start building continuity? My fear is when the season continues, players will actually be injured. And the Clippers player and the Clippers are going to be playing better teams. That's why I really wanted to get these wins against Oklahoma City, but on New Orleans. I had the New Orleans game chalked up as a loss. So if the Clippers can win there, it makes up for one of the OKC losses. In my, you know preseason kind of looking at the first 10 games predictions but remember you can follow me on twitter and instagram at dime dropper pod and of course to subscribe to locked on clippers on youtube thank you so much have a great weekend clipper nation try to stay positive and for those of you going to the game on sunday i won't be there because i'm working the rams game at sofi stadium against the 49ers but if you are there make some noise those sunday games can be quiet at times they need it and by the way if they play badly i don't know don't be afraid to boo or something Make some noise, point blank. They need to hear that the fans are there, regardless, win or lose. But have a great weekend, Clipper Nation. And you know the age-old proverb, go Clippers. I feel like we're going to bounce back. We're going to. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.